I'm really lucky that my hobby and my passion actually helps people. I mean, there are lots of people who are out there who, who their passion is trading stocks or buying out companies, doing all these things that have all these horrible side effects. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily a good person. It just happens that my hobby does help people. I mean, I have people all the time who will message me and say, man, your, your jokes helped me through this hard time. I was going through this in life or, you know, things are so dark and your jokes brighten my day. And it's like, that's awesome that I'm helping people. But like, at no point did I sit out and say, I'm going to go help make the world a better place today. <laughs> that was just a fortunate side effect. I'm lucky that the side effect is it's smog or pollution or something. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, the inbound evangelist himself, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network podcast. I'm so glad you're joining me today. In this episode, we hear from a comedy writer, social media powerhouse with 100,000 followers on Instagram, over a million on Twitter, about 300,000 on Facebook. He's a podcaster, an author, a webcomic creator, an amateur father of four daughters, all under 10 years old. So you know he's a storyteller. In fact, uh, one of his daughters uh, happens to crash the party with us and it's a lot of fun. This is, I'd say, I've, I've loved every episode that I've recorded of the Storytellers Network, but this probably is one of my favorite just because of the, the hilarious interruption of his daughter and how James handles this. Uh, we're talking to James Breakwell today, the man behind Exploding Unicorn, also the man behind uh, Very Lonely Luke on Twitter. So you're going to hear all about that as well. Um, as we do get into that conversation today, a friendly reminder to visit thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes from all the seasons, uh, for how to contact me and other resources to help you tell your story. And if you're new, text the word storytellers to 31996 to subscribe today. That's storytellers to 31996. And now let's get to those stories. Welcome to the Storytellers Network, James. Appreciate you being here, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So I'm going to guess the answer is yes, but I mean, you consider yourself a storyteller? Yeah, I mean, that's that's all I do. I, I tell stories in a lot of different forms. Most people know them from those tweets, the real short back and forth ones. But I do, uh, I write books where there are very long stories and send emails where they're kind of in between stories and do podcasts. It's uh, wherever you can, you can put a story, I put a story there. <laughs> Doesn't mean anybody's going to listen or read it, but I put a story there. That's all we can do, right? <laughs> so do you like, so, so when you think about yourself, I mean, is that kind of the label you think of, or do you think of yourself as a, a writer, a social media star, a book author, a contributor, or is that just kind of like, listen, I, I write. I, uh, I try to define myself as a comedy writer. I didn't, uh, I kind of stumbled into the social media thing by, I, by accident. It was kind of, it was supposed to be a stepping stone. I was just trying to get to the point where I could write books and somebody actually paid me to write them. I thought, well, I need an audience first. And somehow I managed to build that audience and I got to books. But then I realized by the time I got there, I was like, oh, I have this whole other thing now uh, that's not a stepping stone. It's kind of a, a permanent place to stay. And so that's, uh, that's where I am. But yeah, first and foremost, I like to think of myself as a comedy writer. Gotcha. And, it, and it's cool because like the idea that the social media has gotten you there, you get a, an audience of over a million and a half roughly. Right. And yeah, depending on how you count it, if you add up all the networks and I, I don't know if there, I mean, I'm sure there's some overlap there, but yeah, it, it's more than a million at least. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. So I, I've heard, and I've said this myself too, probably in the recent months anyway, like social media kind of 
begins to feel like, I don't know, I don't, not that it's played out, but you know, you've got the, the down, the down on Facebook cause they ruined our election or you've got Twitter where everybody just yells at each other or whatever. But, but when I think of creators like you though, I don't think that it is going away or it's dying. It's actually, there's a great niche there. I mean, how do you kind of balance that yourself? How do you, how do you see social? The way I look at it is I'm just here to write jokes and I'll put them out in whatever mediums available. I mean, when I started out, I was mostly putting them on blogs, which, uh, which nobody uses anymore. So I've, <laughs> I've seen several mediums just completely die. So blogging just is out. Nobody does it anymore. Um, then, you know, Snapchat was big for a while. I jumped on that right at the tail end. That's kind of dying down. Uh, Vine collapse. So you, I guess you never know what's going to happen next. Uh, you know, you don't control the algorithms. Facebook is up and down depending on if it favors you that day. So, uh, so yeah, I, I guess I don't, I don't dislike the social networks. They've gotten me where, where I am. Uh, and I certainly learned to use them. But at the same time, I realized I don't, I don't control them. It's kind of like the, I'm like a boat on the ocean. I have to understand I don't control the ocean and at any time it could turn and crush me. So as long as you keep that in mind, uh, social media networks are great. And, and do you think of it as a place to hone your storytelling or is it more of a place to connect? Or both. I think of it as a place to, to hone my storytelling. So when I started out, I was, wasn't writing kid jokes primarily. I was just kind of joking about everything. Uh, and Twitter really helped me refine how I delivered those stories. It helped me figure out what kind of stories people wanted to hear. Uh, and it helped me write them better. Because when you write a good joke, people retweet it. And when you write a bad joke, everyone ignores it. So you get a score and you figure out real quick what works and what doesn't. Uh, that doesn't mean I can write a good joke every time. I haven't, <laughs> I've been striking out today. But um, it gave me that feedback and it really did change the way I wrote uh, shorter stuff. Now, longer stuff, I still write pretty close to how I always have, but I've kind of got that new skill set there that I had never had a chance to exercise before. Yeah. And, and I, what, I, so what I've wanted to ask you anyway, but so this kind of leads into it. You said, you know, you struck out a couple times today. How do you organize that content? I mean, do you go in purposely thinking, okay, today I'm going to make sure that I write, you know, five jokes. I'm going to use some of the material from my, my daughter's or just something that you came up. I like what you say about it's universally true. It's not always exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you organize that? I, I try to, uh, I kind of have rough times when I try to, to get content up and I've kind of established an order. So I do three daily web comics. So I've got a time of day when I want to tweet out each one of those and I've got a, I've got a, you know, so many jokes I want to do in between there and after that. So I've, I've got kind of general slots, but if something pops up in between, I'll, I'll throw it up there real quick. Uh, I used to write uh, 25 jokes a day, which they weren't, <laughs> I guess I needed kind of that, that spam level of content to figure out what was good and what wasn't and to, to hone my craft. Now I try, I try to get four or five jokes up a day that I don't, that aren't, aren't that don't fail so badly. I have to delete them. That's kind of the goal. And, uh, and they do, they all start from a place of truth. They don't all finish there. It's, you know, my, my kid will do something or say something kind of funny and kind of odd. I think that's really funny, but how can I make that funny to everybody else who doesn't have the context of what's been going on here for the last hour? So a lot of times they'll give me the weird punchline and I have to build a new shorter story to get there. That's probably the, the most common way I kind of get that universal truth across. So it's, uh, it's a process, but yeah, I, I try, to, try to stick to those things. And then now I've got the book coming out. So I try to promote the book at least once a day. Uh, in one form or another. So I've got, I've got some general guidelines and rules that I followed that really nobody else has enforced upon me. I don't know why I adhere to them so religiously, but I'm a creature of habit, I guess. Uh, well, it's important to have those like milestones of that. I do my five today or 25 or whatever. Um, yeah. You know, so, so let's talk about your book then. Um, I, I read, I read uh, only dead on the inside uh, when we connected and yeah. I've been following you for quite a while. And I saw the new books coming out is, is writing books. So you say that you're a, a comedy writer and you tell mostly 
kid joke jokes about parenting. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you're kind of now like really proud of? And so your, your next book about parenting um, and just not sucking at it, not being great, but <laughs> don't kill your kids. Um, is that just kind of like, is that who James is now? Is that yeah, something you're just kind of dabbling that's, in? That's who I always have been. I guess it just wasn't something I necessarily wrote about it. This really, this book more than anything else is my, my core philosophy. So my first book was Only Dead on the Inside, A Parent's Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. And that was just kind of a, a fun book. My idea was, you know, parenting is kind of a disaster anyway. I bet parents would do pretty good in the zombie apocalypse. That was the whole premise. It was kind of absurdist, but keep in mind, it is technically nonfiction. So keep an eye out for those zombies. <laughs> but the second book is, uh, you know, Bare Minimum Parenting, The Ultimate Guide to Not Quite Ruining Your Child. Uh, and this is who I am underneath it all. I mean, this is where all those jokes come from. Uh, I just, I, I have no, no place in my life for overachievers, for people who stress out over every little thing with kids who want to work extra hard and do the extra tutoring sessions and get them into 25 activities a night. And I just look at us as adults and think, man, we all turned out more or less mediocre. Like looking back, you really can't tell whose, whose parents were super moms and dads and whose parents stayed home and you know, whose parents sent them to, to daycare and who did all these things after a while. We all just average out. If we all turn out pretty much average anyway, why are we stressing out over these things that don't make a difference? And if we get to that point, if we are going to all turn out the same, what's the minimum you can put in without quite ruining your child? Just so you don't you don't screw it up, or if, if they do screw up, that it's not your fault. And so that's what this book is. It's a comedy book. There's not a single fact in it, but I think as you read the jokes through it, you'll think to yourself, well, you know what? That's actually pretty true. I think it's a, a lot of things that, that most of us are thinking. Uh, but nobody really wants to say out loud because the internet belongs to the overachievers and uh, I'm pushing yeah. back on that. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and that's the beauty of comedy is that you find a, a nugget of truth in there of, gosh, if I did get bit up by a zombie, I'd probably cut off my leg, not my arm. So what the hell am I doing anyway? So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, no, I get it. Um, what's, what do you think is, is kind of next for you as a storyteller? Is it to continue down this road? Is it to find new things? Are you always trying to challenge yourself with it? I, uh, well, again, the, the social media thing kind of came out of nowhere. And I, yeah. my, whole, my whole goal was to support myself entirely on books, but it actually, I had been looking into it and it, it's, it's a pretty small group of people who support themselves exclusively with books, just with the way books pay out and how infrequently they come out. Uh, I think it's more common that people will have kind of a, a hybrid source of income. They'll write books and they'll podcast or they'll write books and they'll do social media or they'll do whatever else. And that's probably... Uh, the business model I'm looking at long-term, honestly. I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm never going to leave social media. I'll always be on Twitter and Facebook and hopefully doing the podcasts and the web comics and all that as well. But I hope over time, uh, the books become more of that. I would, I would like that to be my main focus, but realistically, will I ever be able to just sit here all day and write books undisturbed by anybody? I, I doubt it. I think I'm probably always going to be in the muck on the internet. That's always going to be my battlefield now. Oh yeah. Well, and, and you mentioned the podcast, so you're, you're show like wrong and wronger and, uh, and everything you do. I mean, it sounds like, gosh, you're always, you're always creating something. So storyteller, comedy writer, creator, is that just kind of, I mean, that just, has that always been in you, James, or is that something that you've kind of developed over time? Yeah, I always liked writing jokes. I always liked writing the long form stories. I, I started doing that in high school. I sent out an email um, emails to people who didn't ask for them, just doing that. And it's kind of, I've kind of come full circle now. Now I've got a, an email list that's much bigger than the 20 people I used to. It was, email was what I started with, and now it's the last thing I started again where I send those out. So, so I do feel like I've come full circle there. But yeah, I, I guess I, I'm more creative than I give myself credit for. Uh, looking back, I wish I would, have, I would have gone this intensely into it earlier. Uh, I always kind of dabbled on it off and on, and sometimes I would put in hours a night, and then there'd be months at a time where I really wouldn't do much of anything. 
Uh, and looking back, I think, man, now that I have no time left in the day, I wish I could go back and be doing all the things I am right now, but start that 10 years earlier. Uh, and where would my life be at? So if you're ever, if you're ever wondering or on the fence of should you start this project, get yeah, absolutely started. Don't start it a few years from now. Start it now and figure out if it's going to work or not. Uh, so you get that time in. And if it doesn't work, you can move on to the next thing. Keep trying and keep, you know, fail, fail fast, fail often, and you'll succeed. Right. And, and I love the story, the long story of how you wanted to be a journalist for like, for Indy Star News. You want to be a columnist there and, and go into journalism. I've heard that a little bit, but it didn't take a usual route for you. And I think that's an inspiration for storytellers out there who are thinking about this. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that journey for the listeners? Yeah, so uh, I, I thought I was going to be the next day, Barry. That was kind of my early thought. I would, be, I would go and get a job at a small newspaper, work my way up to a big newspaper, the Indy Star specifically, get a column, and, uh, and you write a comedy column and then get book deals. And then from there, um, it, hold on a second. Yeah. I, I got a podcast going on. I see that. Okay, go play with your sisters, okay? Okay, I need, to, I need to do the podcast. Okay. All right, so um, I, uh, I have no idea where I was. <laughs> you, wanted to be, you wanted to be Dave Barry, but your daughter's oh, yeah. getting away. So I, I got into journalism. I did, I actually, and I, I got a job pretty quick. I got a job in a newspaper before I even graduated. I, I got there as a freelancer, and within a few months, I was working there part-time. And then a few months after that, I was working full-time while I was still going to school. I thought, this is it. I've made it. I'm going to climb up the rungs. And uh, it turned out once I was working there at the newspaper full time, I just, I, I hated it. Something about, I was working the night cops beat and uh, I just, I go over in my head, why did, why when I suddenly was doing this full time, why did I despise it so much when I was there writing? And, and I come up with a million different reasons. I think uh, the, the biggest one was you just, you deal with, ain't you, you don't, you deal with angry people all day and angry people who really make fools of themselves. A lot of what I was doing is just covering like public meetings and things like that. If there is somebody somewhere angry about something, who wanted to yell at somebody, I was there with a pencil and notepad. I just, I couldn't take it. And then on top of that, after you record the angry person yelling at somebody else and the next day they call and say, that's not what I said, you know? So, so that was, that was a wake up call. So I, I did that for a year and then I thought if I'm going to be miserable doing this, why don't, why don't I just go be miserable doing something else and get paid more than the starvation wages of, uh, of being a journalist. So I sold out, got a cubicle job. Uh, but the writing impulse wasn't entirely gone. So I, I reassessed my life and my course and thought, okay, how can I still get to the point where I'm writing and I get to these book deals without going the journalism route? Uh, and looking into it was kind of discouraging. I mean, there's just this huge crush of humanity trying to squeeze through the eye of the needle for these book deals. I thought, I'm never going to be able to stand out like that. What I need to do is build up an audience and then have book publishers come to me. So I started blogging. I did that for years and years. I mean, my first book was 40,000 words. My second book's 50,000 words. My blog was over 300,000 words long, all of them comedy articles. And I couldn't get anybody to read that thing for free. I was putting out so much free content. And so eventually uh, in 2012, I moved on to Twitter thinking it would just be a way to push people to go to the blog. Uh, but, the, but Twitter gave me two things I didn't have before. It gave me focus and it gave me feedback. So like I mentioned before, I figured out that what people wanted were these jokes about my kids. That's what people responded to. And then with feedback, I figured out which jokes works and which didn't, which formats work. When I was hitting the mark and when I wasn't, when I was blogging, I was just kind of writing into the void and not really narrowing in. And so Twitter helped me hone that in and I started growing and building an audience. And I got to the point where, where the blogging fell by the wayside and Twitter became the main thing. Uh, and then I built up, I, I kind of slogged away at it for years, grew up to about 200,000 followers. 
And then BuzzFeed did an article on me and that made it explode. I jumped a couple hundred thousand followers real quick from there. I got an agent, I was getting contacted by media all over the world. Uh, and then I got the book deal I wanted the whole time. And then when I was promoting that book, I got in touch with the Indie Star to promote it, or they got in touch with me one or the other, I don't remember now. Uh, and they ended up giving me a column. So in this roundabout way, I'd started out wanting to work my way up journalism and get to the Indie Star. I quit journalism altogether, went on the internet, and all the way at the end, I ended up back at the Indie Star writing a column. So it was, it was kind of crazy how that worked out. So it took uh, overnight success, took a little while then. <laughs> I don't think there's, there's such a thing as an overnight success. If people look at an overnight success, they like, they look at the final incident. People look at that and they say, man, after BuzzFeed, you know, tweeted you out or did that article on you, then you went viral. It was instant. It's like, yeah, that was, it was the final instant. That's like, that's like watching a marathon runner, you know, sprint in the last hundred yards and going, well, that was a short race. It only looks short to you because you just saw the end. Right. You know, person completing that race you look at the whole distance so it, it really does take take time and it takes a lot of work so what would you tell what, would, what kind of advice would you give to one of those storytellers who's looking for that viral break um in today's world i mean it's a saturated market is that still even possible uh, it is people go viral all the day at the all the time with the craziest things and, and even though i've gone viral i look at other people go viral i still get jealous just like i always did I seem to always go viral in the wrong places. So I'm huge on Twitter and I've got a pretty big following on Facebook and Instagram. And I finally understand social media enough to understand that, um, uh, you know, YouTube is apparently where it's at. And I can't go viral on YouTube to save my life. <laughs> There's so much bad content out there. I, think I can put out bad content too, but I can't get it to catch on. So I think this, the key to getting viral, there, there is an element of luck there. You can't deny that there's luck, but it's also position. You've got to figure out what kind of content you're the best at. It's got to be something that people respond to. So you've got to be really good at it. It's got to be something people like, and you've got to have a lot of it. Because there will be people who go viral on Twitter sometimes with one great tweet, and you go to their timeline, and the rest of it is, boy, I don't know what to eat today, and oh, <laughs> like school day. Just stupid stuff that's not related to that viral tweet. When I went viral, people liked my kid jokes in that article. They came back to my web, to my main Twitter account, and they found 15,000 other jokes just like it. There was the content there to make it to make it take off. So you've, you've got to be the best at something. It's got to be something that appeals to people and you've got to have a lot of it. I think those are the three elements so that when you do get that spark, that it all kind of takes off and goes up in flames. That's, that, that's what it takes. And it, it reminds me when I, when I was doing marketing for this mortgage company, they had the whole idea of go viral, right? Uh -huh. So even when I asked the question, I just kind of had this bad taste in my mouth. Like, <laughs> um, but it was that, I, and, I, and, I, and I think I remember saying something to that effect of like, before we go viral, you got to have a library of mm -hmm. things that make it worth their while when you yeah. viral. So that, that's kind of what I hear you saying, James. You do. You have to have a library. And it's the surest bet is the, way, the thing you think will make you go viral will not make you go viral. It's really not something you can predict. I mean, when I went, finally went viral off that BuzzFeed article, I didn't think, uh, I didn't think that BuzzFeed article was going to do anything. But I had lots of other times where I thought, this is it. This is my big break. And those big breaks never were my big break. And I'll have time. Uh, yeah. I, I hear you. Why don't you go play with your sisters? Okay. I'm just in here for half an hour. She, uh, she's my buddy for videos. She, she <laughs> loves to be in front of the camera and uh, she sees the camera on now and she's not in here. So I that's funny. Like well, we'll do a video later. Okay. She'll help, she'll help you go viral on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so are they, I mean, are they good with dad being this like celebrity? Do they even realize it? They, uh, they understand at varying levels. So again, one of the reasons I've realized YouTube is where everything is at is for people who are, who are kids still, 
Um, YouTube is the only social media platform. I have a million followers on Twitter. That means nothing to my kids. My Instagram, Facebook mean nothing to them. But one day there was a, a giant YouTube account they follow and they were reading my tweets and said, dad, you're on the internet. It's like, I, I live on the internet. I'm there every day. But to them, it's not real until, I, uh, until I'm on YouTube. And in fact, I've only got like 10,000 followers on YouTube, which is, which is nothing in the grand scheme of YouTube. But the two times I've been asked for my autograph in real life, or for people who follow me on YouTube from kids. So, oh, that's so I think if I can, yes, there's a pencil. So if I can, uh, if I can grow on YouTube, I think I would impress them. But until then, I think they'll be unimpressed. <laughs> that's awesome. You're just a dad. That's what it comes I, down I, to. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> do you want to, you want to grab her? I mean, do you want to, there's just going to come in here. Do you want to come sit on my lap? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm all right with that. We're gonna do the talk with this woman. Okay, I need to go back upstairs. Okay. See, and that's that's a real storyteller. That's that right there, Matt's real life, isn't that? I always remember. I, uh, I probably can't see. I, I can't. I, I, I can't see your broadcast right now. I got it set up, and I got a big sound screen in the way. But uh, I always remember that that dad who was like giving a talk on North Korea to the BBC, <laughs> and his kid came in. It went viral. He's trying to ignore him. So I, I yeah. just always remember if the kids walk into the shot, just don't freak out. That's I right. Roll with it. Absolutely, it's a conversation. It's good. Mm -hmm. Family's important. What? So what do you what do you love about telling stories? It's I I um. I like the ability to be funny in front of an audience. I'm not a, I'm not a stand-up comedian. I can't go out there and do that, but I think I can I can get through to people uh, with my weird sense of humor. It turns out a lot of people relate to it. It's it's the way I, I relate to the world anyway. It's the running dialogue I have in my head. So it's nice to occasionally be validated and know that I'm not insane. No, we're all we're all as insane as each other, right? That's how that goes. Exactly. So is that kind of where the very lonely Luke started? It was just that, that Star Wars fan in your head that came out? Yeah. I, uh, and again, I was, that was probably the one time I've tried to go viral and it actually worked. I have my brother-in-law said, have you seen this emo Kylo Ren account? It's hilarious. And I didn't even know he was like, my brother-in-law had never mentioned Twitter before. I thought if this guy, yes, you got a pencil. Okay. It's time to go now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> broadcast is gonna be her talking about her pencil um yeah i uh and so i saw that i thought like you know i i actually had like other star wars parody accounts but they weren't like set up quite like that and i thought okay i can i can do this so i thought what's what's going to relate to people well you know luke skywalker they spend the whole movie looking for him and he get there at the end and he doesn't have any lines i thought i'm gonna give luke skywalker lines you know what's he been doing what's he been saying to himself for all these years so i set it up like that uh and it turns out two people uh Okay, I'll close it for you. Okay. Two, uh, two things people on the internet can relate to uh, are being lonely and uh, being into Star Wars. So very lonely, Luke hit both of those things. And it went, uh, within like two or three weeks, I had 300,000 followers. It just exploded. That was, that was so much fun to, uh, to kind of ride that wave. And it actually went viral before my main uh, Twitter account. So I, I had the experience of it. I thought, again, I thought very lonely Luke would be my big break. Uh, but it's really hard to monetize pretending to be a Jedi. Like there was nobody's paying you ad money for that. Nobody's giving you a book deal for that. Right. So I thought, okay, I'll just keep slogging on these two accounts. And then four months later, I finally went viral on Exploding Unicorn, and that's where everything took off. 
which, which, I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time, you know, but as, as a dad and I've, I have two daughters, uh, mm-hmm. man, you, it cracks me up all the time. I'm always looking for it. So thank you for bringing a little bit of joy to the internet when it can be so just down sometimes. <laughs> I, I'm really lucky that my hobby and my passion actually helps people. I mean, there are lots of people who are out there who, who their passion is trading stocks or buying out companies, doing all these things that have all these horrible side effects. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily a good person. It just happens that my hobby does help people. I mean, I have people all the time who will message me and say, man, your, your jokes helped me through this hard time. I was going through this in life or, you know, things are so dark and your jokes brighten my day. And it's like, that's awesome that I'm helping people. But like, at no point did I sit out and say, I'm going to go help make the world a better place today. <laughs> that was just a fortunate side effect. I'm lucky that the side effect is it's smog or pollution or something. <laughs> right, right. So what's what's more your passion, uh, Star Wars or zombies? Uh, Star Wars, definitely. The, the zombies were kind of a fun one-off. I, I, I really like The Walking Dead. I like some of those movies, but uh, I've, been, I've been watching Star Wars forever and I uh, contrary to some of the angry people on the internet, I, lo- I love the new ones. It's uh, and it's something I can enjoy with my kids. They they've watched all the movies many times, uh, so we can kind of bond over that. Whereas zombies were a bit too scary for them still, so we play yeah. those sometimes. But they're bigger into Star Wars. That's funny. Us us too. So uh, so what do you think? So you loved connecting and and sharing and, and being making an audience laugh. What's one of your challenges though with storytelling then? Uh, just finding the time to do it. I, I think if I uh, if I had more hours in the day, I could do you know a YouTube video a day, and I would, it would change my life. But there's just there's not enough time to keep everything going. I mean, like right now, so I'm promoting bare minimum parenting, uh, and I'm under contract for three other books I'm working on at the same time. And then you've got you know the daily churn of you got to keep this Twitter account going, you got to keep the podcast going, you got to keep your family going, you got to keep your marriage going. There's just there's never end, you know, an end to the number of things you can, uh, uh, you have to keep going. And I always think, well, when I'm done with this project, I'll have more free time. But I, I guess I, I'm wise enough and realistic enough to know that if I'm just going to fill that with another project. There's never, there's, there's never going to be a point uh, where it slows down. So I guess it's just a matter of kind of finding a balance in there of being okay, being busy and finding a way to keep it all level. I think if you're if you're hoping for the day when you'll finally have the free time to fit everything in, it's never gonna come. You've just gotta find a way to work it all into the chaos. Absolutely. Chaos can, uh, can, can be a lot of fun. Yes. <laughs> but um, what, what do you think is next then as a storyteller for you? I mean, you, you mentioned video obviously, but are you getting invitations to go speak at events and stuff? Is that a, a new platform for you? I've, I've been invited to speak at a few things and it's fun, but I don't think that's the future for me. I've, <laughs> I was, um, I was actually listening to somebody talk the other day and he's a way more successful author than I am. And he tours like six months a year making live appearances. And I thought to myself, man, if I, if I truly make it big where I can make a living just off books, I'm not touring anywhere. I will just stop <laughs> signing anything. I will stay home uh, and be done with that. Uh, live appearances are cool, but they are, uh, they are so much work. When I, uh, you know, if I write a thousand word article or a 1500 word article, I'm done. And that's it. But if that's a speech, that's something I practice for two months. And then you go and you deliver it once and it never comes out quite in your head the way you want it to. Uh, so it just, uh, I respect people like you who can go and do that and do that all the time. It's a, it's a great skill to have. Uh, but I don't know that I'm ever going to be a, a speaker on the circuit. I think that that might be one opportunity I have to avoid. 
I understand that. I, yeah, I, I love the stage. I'm not a stand-up comedian by any means, but I love being in front of an audience. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it was it was crazy how much I enjoyed it. I thought I would hate it. I got up there, and you know, in, in Twitter, you never hear anybody laugh. You kind of get the diluted feedback of stars or likes. You get up there, and people laugh. You're like, "Oh, this is addictive." But then right. I think about the four months of work that went into it. I'm like, ah, I don't think I can. I don't think I can keep this going. I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get that. So I look at you, James, as somebody who's who's kind of, who's as a storyteller anyway. Again, mm-hmm. not not that, not that you're like you've made it and you're going to retire, but I, I look at it as somebody who is in the middle of making it. You know, uh, more than a million followers in social media. You've got your book deals. You're under contract. You said for three more. Mm-hmm. You've got your, your new one coming out. Do you look around your right now yourself and kind of think, man, I'm kind of in the middle of making it, or I've made it, or I've gotten to this goal that I wanted? I think I'm 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 right before making it. If I had to define it, so I think the hardest part with an audience is transitioning them from people who will read your content for free to people who will pay you money for it. Whether that's in the form of ads or in the form of books or whatever else, it's that transition uh, that's challenging. Because a million people who read your books for free don't do any good if they'll never, you know, if they'll never buy anything or if they'll unfollow you the second there's an ad. That, so so I, think, I think I'm right at that point. I, I, I have a, a hunch that this is probably going to be the most fun I have in my career. The period right before I make it where there's not as much pressure, where I'm kind of chasing every opportunity. It's all frantic and hectic. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, what's that? Okay, we'll get your piggyback in just a little bit. Uh, I think that, um, yeah, I think, I, I think, uh, well, the, the thrill will wear off. I still remember from right after I went viral on Twitter the first time. And every time uh, my email would ding, my heart would skip a beat because there were so many potentially life-changing opportunities coming in so fast. And now I'm already to the point where my email dings and I never get excited because I'm already at these opportunities and now they're not, they're not crazy dreams anymore. They're just work. You know? <laughs> oh, there's another line, another round of revisions due, another round of that due. Uh, so so I, I think I am. And I think, I think that's probably true of everything. Once you really make it, your dream is, is work. Uh, and so, so I think I'm fortunate to be where I am now. I need to definitely appreciate it before it, before it gets to the stage where, where, uh, where it all, where it's all commonplace. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And if, and so if somebody said to you, James, you're done telling stories, you got to find something else to do. What would that last story be for you to go out on? Do you think? Oh, I got to go out in flaming glory, huh? The, uh, I would, they would be the story of how my kids make it out of the house. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to do when my kids graduate, when they grow up. So that would be the final tale I tell of how I, how I made that. I got that final kid out of the house without ruining him. That would be my finish line. Without ruining him. I love it. Man, awesome. I appreciate your time today, my friend. Uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I love following you. Keep it up and keep writing. We'll keep buying them. Um, what's the best way for people to find you? Uh, the best way, uh, you can go on Amazon uh, or any other book retailer and search for James Breakwell. I flip for bare minimum parenting there. And uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Exploding Unicorn without the E. On Facebook, you can find me under James Breakwell or Exploding Unicorn with the E. Uh, and on YouTube, you can search for James Breakwell. Any of those ways are great ways to connect with me. Awesome, man. We'll put those in the show notes. Thanks for your time today, James. I do appreciate it. Enjoy. And you, of course, I don't think I said this earlier, but you're an indie, so enjoy the beautiful indie fall weather, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, James. Cheers, man. All right. Thank you once again to my guest, James Breakwell. Be sure to visit him online. You can find those links to the resources he mentioned uh, and, and all of his social media in the show notes. And definitely get his book, Only Dead on the Inside, and follow him on Twitter. Totally worth it. Uh, my gosh, it will bring 
I mean, in, in all truth, like not to be, uh, not to spew hyperbole here, but it will bring joy to your life. He is hilarious. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it yourself all over the place. Uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, anywhere you can share with other storytellers is always helpful. And if you're new, be sure to subscribe, text storytellers to three, one, nine, nine, six, and you can subscribe to get your latest episode every Monday morning. Uh, and please consider leaving us a review. I love reading those. It's good for my ego, but it's also good just to show folks that other listeners are enjoying it. Uh, and just let me know what you think. Drop me a line until next time. Here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. I got a podcast, okay? Can you go talk to mommy? No, she's asleep. What do you need? I'll get you another one in a little bit, okay? Can you close the door? I'll come out in a little bit, okay? She lost one of her nickels. Oh, man, that's no good. And mommy's yeah. napping, so you don't want to stop that. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt that. That's, <laughs> that's what my wife's doing right now, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> Awesome.